Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, as always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me as my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we took a week off last week, uh, busy with just um, personal life and stuff like that. And to be honest, there wasn't a lot to talk about. Uh, there still isn't a ton in terms of news topics over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, the, the most noteworthy stuff has been some unfortunate uh, passings in Mike Bossy. I don't really have uh, much more. To, like, there's not much to say on that, I don't think. No, but, I don't uh, have anything particularly interesting to offer there. No, me either. And obviously, I didn't get to, uh, I don't, well, we neither of us obviously got to watch either of them play. Although I will say, the one thing I didn't realize was um, how great of a goal scorer Mike Bossy was. Yeah, his numbers are like insane to look back on like literally he was just a 50 goal scorer his whole career <laughs> he was almost like a 60 goal scorer his entire career too like uh gila flick like passed gila away Fleur. yeah and that's my bad um yeah with mike bossy i didn't realize like yeah just how consistent of a goal scorer he was for his entire career and the only reason he stopped at the end is because i believe it was just like a back injury that prevented him from playing but he came into the league and just went 53, 69, 51, 68, 64, 60, 51, 58, 61, and then 38 goals in 63 games in his final year. And apparently he was just like an injured man, like half of himself during that year. And still just lighten it up. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously our thoughts out go to them. But uh, other than that, there hasn't been – too, too much to talk about. We'll probably get into a little bit of playoff talk uh, as Vegas continues to shoot themselves in the foot here going down. But uh, we figured today, because there is not going to be an official awards ceremony uh, this year or anything with the condensed schedule, they're going to just be announcing them during playoffs. Uh, we figured it would be a good time to go through our full awards ballot. We, uh, we did an award show about halfway through the year, and it'll be I, – I, I wish I had time to go back and listen to what our picks were then versus now. Um, but, oh, that's, uh, that would have been a good idea. I would have done that today if I thought about it. Yeah, I literally just thought about it right now, and uh, obviously that doesn't do as much good as we're recording. But um, I can definitely I, – I definitely know a few of my picks have changed. A few of them have stayed the same, but there's definitely been a couple of names that have uh, either dropped out of the top three in some awards or – or got back up. So yeah, let's get right underway. Um, let's, we'll leave a couple of the bigger ones for last. Uh, let, let's start with a smaller one, the Calder trophy. Uh, this one is going to be of great intrigue. I'm sure. Um, uh, to people, I, I feel like the guy, I mean, you probably both, I, I think we're going to have the same number one here. Uh, I feel like he won't win it actually, because, uh, this is a, a an award that people kind of like to make up their own criteria for. Like, the criteria is very set out in stone of what uh, you need to do. And this is one where people go, nah, I don't like that. So I'm just going to vote for something else. Yep. Yeah. People just really uh, play this one by the seat of their pants. And they, there's also this weird thing. Do you have bunting one? Yes. Okay. So I have bunting one too. And there's this weird thing where people like, well, I'm okay with bunting being eligible, but like, we're going to, adjust his statistics like, like like that's not what the award says yeah i know it's it's so weird and like how do you adjust that like like i get it i don't want 
Michael Bunting over Maurice Sider going forward or whatever. But the award is who had the best season this year? That's a rookie. Yeah, and uh, it defines the age that you can be a rookie up until. It yeah, it's it's stupid to me that Michael Bunting is considered a rookie. <laughs> but that's the NHL's fault. That's not Michael yes, Bunting's fault. Exactly, but he is considered a rookie. So yep. and it doesn't say on an age adjusted basis who's the best rookie. Like we're not yeah. applying backwards induction aging curves to compare Lilligren to Cider here. No, exactly. <laughs> and so we we can get into it why. Um, there, and I do think, like, I don't think Michael Bunting should be an absolute lock for this either. Um, I do think there is a couple things you could point at that would probably draw him away. But uh, yeah, well, let's get right into it. I have two honorable mentions in Antoine Lundell and Matt Boldy. Um, okay, I have Boldy as a mention. I had Lundell three. Yeah, so Boldy I had as a mention just because he simply hasn't really played enough games. I think he only played in 44 this year, but he's been damn good in the ones that he has played in. Uh, yep. Obviously, he's been a crucial part to Minnesota, looking like a very dangerous team, uh, you know, giving them some added, much, much needed added depth. Um, I have Lindell as an honorable mention because I have one guy I think in here, I don't think you'll have, but I think he probably deserves more recognition. And I think the reason he's not getting that is simply because I don't think most people know he's a rookie. So we'll get to him in a second. But uh, Lindell, like, playing on a stacked Panthers team, lower down the lineup and absolutely killing those minutes. He, uh, he looks like the prime guy that is going to be obviously when, you know, the, the Panthers don't have, because they went all in this year, don't really have any draft picks coming up and, and are going to be in a bit of a cap crunch. He looks like the, the perfect guy of like what Tampa's had for years in Sorelli and point and all those guys where it's like, just as you think Florida's going to be getting too expensive and can't really do anything. You forget that they're probably just going to bridge Lundell on like a $3 million contract or something like that. And he'll just be a core piece of their top six going forward. Yeah, he reminds me of uh, the Palat Johnson Kucherov wave mm-hmm. for Tampa. Like, I, I don't know which one of those three he'll end up being, but he reminds me a lot of that. Where it's like, don't worry, there's more. Yes, exactly. And so he's been absolutely amazing. 44 points this year puts him uh, fifth in rookie scoring. Um, yeah, I, like I don't, I don't have much more to say on Lundell. Uh, my three actually was Jeremy Swayman. Ooh, that's a good one. I feel like no one really realizes he's a rookie. Yeah, he's he, been good. He, he has been. Like, he hasn't been Vesna worthy or anything, but he's been, like, the 10th to 14th best goalie in the league, probably. Yeah. Yeah, and, he's been, like, legitimately good. He's saved Boston this year. Well, and that's the other thing, too, that I feel like he's not getting enough credit for is – um, and maybe part of that is because I think Allmark's kind of pulled the net back a little bit in the past month or two, but – like there was a point where they couldn't play Allmark and Rask just tried to make the comeback and didn't work. And people were like, Boston's dead because they're screwed. They don't have a goalie. And Jeremy Swamin stepped in and was like, no, I'm actually good. Posting a 2.37 goals against average and a 9.915 save percentage. Uh, let me just double check, but I'm pretty sure he is 14th in um, goal saved above average. And he was about 11th in goal saved above expected as well from Evolving Hockey's model. Um, so like he's had a, a very, very good year and probably doesn't get, uh, as much credit as I think he, he maybe deserves. He was actually, he actually was lower in goal save above expected, but he was 14th in goal save above average. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good pick. Uh, all right. Who did you have a two? At two, I had the guy that I feel like at some point around game 30, we just decided that this guy had to win. I have cider. I also have cider and see 
I think people hearing that are going to be shocked that this is the person we, I think Zegris might be a lock for this trophy. Zegris too. And you know what the funny thing about Zegris is, you know how, whenever there's like a guy who has a ton of points and then the stats don't like him and people like, you got to watch him. Yeah. I can't wait for these arguments with Zegris as if fucking anyone watches enough Ducks games to know <laughs> what Zegris is. Yeah, like not a chance in hell anyone actually knows what Zegris does. They just see GIFs on Twitter and they're like, well, if your model doesn't have him high and he does these fun things once every 10 games, you must not watch the games or whatever. Literally, like he's a highlight machine. And I feel like that is exactly why he is going to get so much hype in this when in reality, and like, again, no one, like neither you or I are suggesting we would rather Michael Bunting over Trevor Zegris for the next 10 years or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Zegris's underlying numbers just haven't been great. And if you're an Anaheim fan, I wouldn't be like particularly worried about that either. I think, you know, as the team gets better and he continues to grow, he will get better at that as well. But it doesn't mean that he is automatically the best rookie this year. Yeah, exactly. Like it's clear the upside's there, but maybe it's the consistency. I don't know. But but like the, the results are not even close at the moment. Well, exactly. And it's like, and you can't just say, well, at that age, we don't really care about driving play as much as points because then, but then also go and throw out the fact that he's not even leading in points because Michael Bunting's beating him in that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I am, that means I guess neither of us had Zegers on our ballot. Again, I don't mean this as he's a bad player or anything. Like he is still one of the most intriguing rookies of this entire class. It's just, I don't think his, like, I think his overall point total is a little inflated for the value he has actually brought this year. Yeah, 100%. Like, there's still still a very good chance he's the best rookie to have out of this entire crop. Uh, Cider would be really tough to beat, especially given his age or whatever. But that just that's okay. Like, he might be the best going forward. He's probably as good a bet as anyone to beat, but he's just not that guy right now. That's fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on to Cider. Yeah, he's number two. I, I wouldn't be disappointed if he won it. He is having a very, very good season on a bad team where he's actually looking like a very good defenseman still. Yeah. Yeah. He looks fantastic. He's like, he's been what, like a number, a number one, probably low end number one, but as a, what is he? 19. Yeah. He's 19. Yeah. Which is insane. Yeah. Like on a team that, and and it's not like the Detroit is stacked with other defensemen or anything. That's really sheltering him. It is him and a bunch of guys. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, Sider's been amazing. And, and honestly, he's the one where if he does end up beating Bunting, I I don't think it is some conspiracy against Toronto or anything like that. Um, uh, like, I'm sure some people will go out and yell. But uh, yeah, because he's had an absolutely amazing season. And again, I think the one, if you wanted to vote Sider over Bunting, I think quality of teammate would be the biggest argument for that. Yeah, that's that's the obvious one. Um, it's worth noting, I was going to talk about this when talking about bunting, but people have kind of talked like playing with Matthews and Marner has been easy, which obviously it's way easier than playing for Detroit. But we all collectively in the, in the summer decided Zach Hyman was like a really good player. Zach Hyman's numbers never even looked fucking close to this. And neither have Marner and Matthews. Like, that's probably just because bunting's actually good. Well, yeah, and like, wasn't like I haven't looked super close, but hasn't like anyone who's played with Bunting on Toronto this year had better numbers versus without him? Like Tavares yeah, like and Nylander too. 
all his numbers look good. Well, and the whole point of a RAPM model, which really loves bunting, uh, the model would punish him like crazy if Matthews and Marner were way better away from him. Yeah, and it's just – it is very obvious. Like, I just obviously being in the market, I've watched a fair share of Leafs games this year. And it is very obvious that he is making an impact on the ice because he creates so much space for them down in the corners. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's like fifth in goals above replacement league-wide. Uh, he's not that good. He's, base, <laughs> he's virtually tied with Connor McDavid, which is hilarious in about 500 fewer minutes. Obviously, he's not that good, but it's very clear that he's a really good hockey player. Yeah, exactly. And he's doing everything he's asked to do, which, like, like, you can't fault him that he's not asked to do more for the team. Yeah, exactly. He's just been fantastic. And just because he's played with fantastic players, I'm not going to fault him for it. Yeah, exactly. And it is, uh, yeah, like, I, I'm just looking right now to see, because I don't even think, how many goals? He's got 30 goals this year, isn't he? I think so. 23, 23. Sorry, 23 and 40 assists. Or no, it's Marner. Points in, in 79 games. So 63 points in 79 games. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if his line put up a couple more goals over the last three games. If he's, let's just give him 25 goals. Let's say he scores two, but you can give him a goal that says whatever. Let's say 65 points in 82 games, right? Yep. Uh, what was Zach Hyman's total point? Zach Hyman never eclipsed. He had 51 and 73 in his five. No, that's this year with Edmonton. In, yeah, in I don't Toronto, think I would ever sniff that. No, in Toronto, his highest number was 2018-19, where he had 41 and 71. Now, granted, he also had a couple, unfortunately, like he had a knee injury that kept him out. So he had 33 and 43 in the shortened season last year uh, and 37 and 51 in 2019-20. So I bet you the those pace numbers would be pretty close to what Bunting's at over a full year. But Bunting's also done it over a full year and stayed healthy doing so. So, Yeah, exactly. And he's not really getting power play time or anything, like or on the important power play anyways. All well... Like that line is just running people over at even strength. It is truly absurd what they're doing. And while he is clearly the third most important part of that, uh, the third most important player on plausibly the best line in the league can still be really good. Yeah, 100%. So um, there we go. There's one award where we share the same opinion on uh, Bunting first, Sider second, I had Swayman third, Lundell fourth. You had Lundell third, uh, Boldy fourth, and then I had Boldy fifth. Um, again, no, uh, shadow too. I was gonna say he's very high on um, goals above replacement lists as well, and I, I feel like we just need to give Lucas Raymond a shout out as well, who's been a solid yep. player for Detroit. Same, everything that could be said about Zegris could be said for Raymond too. Yeah, exactly. So um, hey, let's go to the Jack Adams. A ton of uh, a, a ton of candidates for this one too. Like a lot. There is genuinely probably five or six guys that could win this award and i wouldn't be like mad at all to be honest yes 100 agreed so i like this was such a hard one for me i had three honorable mentions and i still feel like i'm going to be leaving someone out but my honorable mentions were uh bruce cassidy with boston uh sheldon keith with toronto and yep. uh andrew burnett with the uh panthers yeah, those are good ones. The Panthers, I feel like any other year, Burnett would be a shoe in to almost win, but definitely be top three. But the fact that, like, 
when he stepped in for Quinville, which does not feel like it was this season. Like yeah, it but so it totally was. But it was a season, and the team was like 8-0, and everyone was like, oh, this team looks like a juggernaut this year. And good for him for me, like keeping them on the tracks and you know, still looking as good of a team because you know that's not an easy situation to take over. But that's the only thing that kind of leans me back a little with him. It's like this roster was very clearly amazing before he stepped in. I don't know what tangible difference he's made to get them – like it kind of looked like this was going to be the pace they were on, regardless if Quenville or him were behind the bench. And at that point, I go, he's probably still a very solid coach, but how much credit can I give to him? Just true, right? That's exactly what I think. I didn't give him a vote because, like, unless and I, I said this in the in the midterm episode too, I believe. But if you can point me to like specific systemic changes he's made that's like helped push Florida over the top. I'd be more than willing to be like, hell yeah, this guy should be like slam dunk winner then. But he took over from like a generational talent and that was on their way to the sun. And he's just been riding the rocket to the sun. And there, there's value in that. Obviously, it's incredibly easy to, to butcher these things. And it was a terrible situation for him to come into. Awkward for him anyways. And he's been great. But as far as coach of the year goes, taking over a super talented team with systems set in place by a generational coach. I'm a little skeptical, but give him coach of the year. Yeah, exactly. And then for me, for Keith, um, you know, our friend of the podcast, Chris had asked this question, I think this past week of why aren't Keith and Dubas getting more love for GM of the year slash coach of the year. And we both kind of answered it, I think on, on Twitter as well, but you know, for Keith, it's more of a thing that there's just so many other really good options and, he hasn't been a bad coach by any means, but he's just kind of been in that top five to eight range, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. I I Keith and Cassidy as honorable mentions, just good for them. I don't think they've done anything particularly spectacular to win it, but they've both been presumably fantastic. And then I had Dean Edmonton as well. Yeah, that's another good one. And I didn't even – I don't know if you had him in your top three, but Rod Brendamore is another one that – Yeah, Brendamore. If he – if he gets votes, I'm not going to say he's not in my top three personally, but if he gets votes, I am not going to say that's undeserved because this has again been an amazing Carolina Hurricanes team. And especially because, you know, they, a lot of people thought they, myself included, thought they were going to take a step back when they lost Dougie Hamilton and, you know, replace him with Tony D'Angelo. And obviously they're off ice things that still make that move, not something that I'm going to praise by any means, but even you know, the Nedeljkovic stuff with their goaltending was super confusing. And I mean, uh, we'll get into their goaltending maybe after we do the awards here. Uh, and I mean, during the awards probably too, but you know, Frederick Anderson has been amazing this year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like, that's why the other thing I was skeptical of Brendan Moore, if Keefe had that goaltending, they would be the overwhelmed, like, the least would be having maybe like the best season in history if they were getting Freddie Anderson's goal saved above expected right now. Yeah, like the Leafs are on pace for 114 points or something like that, and they've had like 900 goaltending since December. Yeah, every other team with goaltending like theirs is like Philly and teams like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so th- those are the honorable mentions. I Cassie is an honorable mention as well. Uh, Everson's another good one. Um, who do you have at three? At three, so the league is trended towards really top-heavy. Uh, so these kind of guys are, don't exist as much this year, 
but uh, we'll throw back to some previous seasons. I have Todd McClellan. I also have Todd McClellan at three. Okay. I almost debated putting him two, but I decided to stay at three because I, I really don't think the Kings are going to be that great of a team. Or in terms, like, like I think they're going to have an early, pretty early playoff exit. But they have been so much like, and I was pretty high on the Kings this offseason. I will say that is one of the few things that I got right coming into the year. We each had one team where we went on a pretty big limb for in this division. I had Calgary and you at LA. We looked pretty good there. And I didn't think they were like, they're like, it's not like they're just riding a hot goalie or anything. They are fifth in the league in Corsi four percentage. Uh, I believe they're top five in expected goals as well. They are, they're seventh in expected goals and they're doing all this. Like their goaltending hasn't been good really. Like it's been fine. Quick as I think as a 908, which is about league average this year, I think, because save percentage is down a little bit. But like Calvin Pedersen's been like an 890 goaltender. Yep. And they've just been plugging along because they've been an amazing five on five team, despite having, I, I don't want to say no talent. That's probably a little meaner than it should be, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And like even, um, you know, we talked about it two or our last episode two weeks ago. Drew Doughty goes down and, you know, I was kind of writing off, I was writing them off where it's like, man, I, I think they might drop here and it's the Golden Knights time and they win four, they're on a four win streak right now and have basically secured their spot. Like yep. they would have to lose both their next two games and the Vegas Golden Knights would have to win all three of them. Yeah, like they're in. Yeah. Like they're in and they, Vegas is out. Very, very, very likely. Yeah. And um, like that's again, like good for them. And yeah. you know, I, I think they'll be an underdog in round one against the Oilers and a pretty sig- if they do beat that, like I think it'll probably be like uh, what 60 40, maybe 58 42, something like that. Yeah, I would think so. Mainly because Edmonton's not that good. Yeah, exactly. But so I, I was just about to say, if they do make it around two, I think they would be very significant underdogs to the Flames. But I think it might be like 80-20 if they play Flames. Literally. Like, like this is a year. Bad. This is a year they were expected to be where the Ducks are right now with 74 points in 80 games near the bottom of the Pacific. Yeah, yeah. They were supposed to be a lottery team. Not like the worst team or anything, but they were supposed to be pretty close. Yeah. So um, he has done an absolutely amazing job. And yeah, I, I do... I do hope he gets a couple votes because uh, I think he is one of those under the radar guys where the team isn't flashy by any means. Um, but this is certainly a team that, you know, is much better than we thought they were. And it's not just for a hot goaltender. Like, you know, this award has been handed out at times in the past. Exactly. Um, all right. I think we might have a top similar top. Three. I'm really curious to see if we have the same top three. Who do you have at two? I think we're going to have the same one. Two is the question to me. I have Mike Sullivan. All right, we do. And we're going to have the same top three. I have Mike Sullivan okay, yeah. as well. Um, I debated switching Sullivan and McLennan, uh, or McClellan, sorry. Yep. I, I think it's uh, – the only reason I didn't is because I think it's a bit of recency bias if I did. Um, a lot of what Sullivan needs to be praised for is how well they monitored the storm in the first 40 games of the year when they missed Crosby for a chunk of it and Malkin for all of it. Yeah, and even Sid sucked for his first, like, 10 games back or whatever it was, and Malkin was gone for so long, and they were like, by the way, Evan Rodriguez is, like, a legitimate 1C for, like, two months. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't miss a beat at all without two Hall of Fame players and basically the only two players that really matter on their team. 
Yeah. <laughs> they um, work perfectly fine. Absolutely. And I feel like he's not going to get many, if any, votes because they're sputtering down the stretch here. Um, they honestly, it looks like like they're probably more favored to be in a wild card now than they are in third. Uh, they have 101 points in 80 games. Washington has 100 points in 79 games. So, um, you know, it's uh, they might honestly finish in the wild card, which up until even like a week and a half ago, it looked like a deadlock that the Capitals were clearly going to be the eighth team in this conference. And that's kind of falling apart. And, you know, that. I don't really think that's Sullivan's fault. I think, you know, your goalie going down with a broken foot has a lot to do with that. Yeah, exactly. The things that Sullivan, I think, has influence over would be just how good of a play-driving team they are. And again, even with Crosby and Malkin aging, uh, they're sixth in the league in XG. They're right there with the Wild, Hurricanes, and Panthers. They're above the Lightning. They're above the Avalanche at even strength. The Golden Knights, Capital Star. Like, yeah. yeah, like they're... They're a solid team, and there's pretty much no evidence otherwise. It's just whether they can get the goaltending or not. Yeah, exactly. Um, the other guy I, I feel like I should have probably given an honorable mention to because um, I don't think he should win. He hasn't coached enough games, but it's Jay Woodcroft in Edmonton. I debated him in the honorable mentions, but given how like top-heavy the league's been, I just couldn't find a spot for him. Y- yeah, no, exactly. But it's been like night and day with him there um, since he's taken over, like to the point yeah. where – People are kind of going like, ooh, yeah, this probably should have been made like four weeks before. Like, yeah, exactly. So, um, all right, number one then. I think this is I, – I, I would be shocked if he doesn't win this year. Just shocked. But it's Daryl Sutter. Yeah. I think this will be the most unanimous award, save for maybe Bergeron Selkie. Yeah, I, I agree. Which, like – I think you could probably argue the Vesna maybe still should be, but I yeah, like just given just the has, timing on Shesterkin's play. Yeah, and this just has the narrative written all over it, and he actually does deserve it, is the thing too. Like this Calgary team, not only are they now just one of the best teams in the league, they're third in expected goals, uh, and they're third in Corsi four as well. But this isn't just a thing of like, well, of course, this team's always been good. This is a team that couldn't qualify for the fucking Canadian division last year. Yep. Yeah, they, they looked like they just didn't want to be there almost. Like, it was tough. Literally, this is a team I thought was absolutely idiotic for not blowing it up this summer, and that has been what I got super wrong, that they have looked not even just okay, genuinely like a top five, six team in the league and top two in their conference. Yeah, your comment on the Kings was me with the, the Flames. It just happened higher up the standings. Like, I think I was higher on the Flames than almost anyone. Uh, I didn't expect them to be nearly this freaking good. No, me either. I thought they were going to be basically where the Kings were this year, where it's like they were the third best team in their division, kind of just barely fought out a while. I I had Vegas doing what Calgary is doing right now, Edmonton exactly where Edmonton is, and I had Calgary where LA is. And then LA I thought was going to compete for a wild card kind of within that Calgary range. But, yeah, they have been amazing, and I think it's pretty clear that considering they have – a lot of the same group of characters that they did last year. If anything, I'd argue they almost got worse on paper, bringing in like Zadorov and Good Branson, but he and losing Giordano, and he's gotten the most out of those guys, including like getting guys like um, was it Rasmus Anderson to break out that we've been like, oh, this is a good young defenseman in Calgary for a long time, and just never really actually happened. Yeah, exactly. Like everything has gone right for them, basically. Like, could you yeah. 
Goudreau could possibly win the heart. Hannafin has been fantastic, which I don't think has been true at any point in his career. Probably not. Like, people just kind of projected him to be this, and he never hit it until this year. Yeah, like, people were always kind of looking for it or whatever, but he's been, like, legitimately amazing across the board. I think Tuchuk's about to hit 100 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he did, actually. Yeah, and all while being a play-driving god. like. Yeah, and again, like, they lose their captain and, you know, best defenseman last year in Giordano and just – keep playing with like it's nothing Markstrom is like 11 shutouts or something like that. Yep. And part of it's because Markstrom has been great. Uh, Part of it's been, this team's made it really easy on him. Yes, exactly. Like when uh, Vladder goes in, he's been uh, pretty good as well. And Dustin Wolf's called up, I think right now, um, you know, and they have faith to just kind of play him. Like they lost Sean Monaghan and they're just kind of chugging along. And, you know, obviously Monaghan's not as important to Calgary as he was maybe three or four years ago, but that's still a solid three seed that they lost. Yeah, it's still a chunk in your lineup that has to be replaced. So, um, yeah, I, to me, this is uh, hands down probably going to be the the most unanimous award, and rightfully so. Like, I, I think he he absolutely deserves to win this. Um, yep. Again, I, if any of the names we mentioned other than him win, I'm not going to be like this is a travesty or anything like that. But uh, I definitely think he he should be the front runner for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just everything's gone well. Um, all right, let's move to let's go to the Vesna. Um, that's just next on my list. So let's do that one. Uh honorable mentions. I had UC Soros uh just kind of dragging that team to the playoffs, along with like insane shooting percentages from guys like Matt Duchesne. Yep. Uh and then I also had uh Ilya Sorokin as a honorable mention. Um this is a little different here. I had Sorokin four and Soros three. Okay, yeah. So I had Sorokin four, Soros five. Um, yeah. Yeah, like Sorokin, and I, I could like see an um, mention for them too, because I'll, I'll just say right now, Markstrom was my three. And again, like I can go either way. It depends how much credit you want to give to Sutter, how much credit you want to give to Markstrom. Markstrom has been very, very good when he's played. Like he's third in goal saved above average and fourth in goal saved above expected. Um, yep. Sorokin is third in goal saved above expected and second in goal saved above average. He has really come on in the later half of the season. Uh, I don't think he's going to get much credit because his team absolutely sucks. Like, like he's posting these kind of numbers and the Islanders are 24 points out of a playoff spot. Yep. Just a terrible team. <laughs> They're getting, it should be almost impossible to miss the playoffs for that goaltending. Never mind 20 points out. Yeah, like it is uh quite impressive to be honest. And Austin, five like, five wins. Ins- That's Austin yeah. Matthews out of the playoffs. Yeah, like yeah. Like what a team. What a great team. Yeah, Good thing no, there's to- two Austin Matthews out of the playoffs. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, I that's why I have fourth done. Honestly, now that I'm looking at it, I think. I mean, almost, I don't know. I'm kind of regretting who I have at two here just because he's kind of struggled down the stretch. But, um, yeah, no, Sorokin's been unreal, and I, I could not at least give him a shout-out because uh, I don't, I'd be surprised if he gets, like, a lot of votes, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think he will. Wins are huge for this. Well, this is the one the GMs vote on, and they just look at who the top teams are and go, oh, their goalies must be the best. Yeah, like Markstrom 
Markstrom will be really high on this list. And Markstrom's been great this year. I think he'll be above people that he shouldn't be, though, just because of the team success and the shutouts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, like like Sorokin. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I, if you want to say Sorokin is better than Markstrom, I'm not going to have much of a complaint or, yeah. or was better That's this how year. I lean. Like, yeah. I, I lean a little bit the other way, but I also, I don't think it's, uh, uh, that much, yeah. I hmm. no, I'm gonna keep it. All right, who did you have it to? I have Freddie. I also have Freddie. I'm looking now, and he dropped more in goal saved above expect or average than I thought, but he's still uh, like he is second by a mile in goal saved above expected. Yeah, and I've been a little worried. As somebody who was there was a thread on Twitter about him possibly being overrated by the rink. Mm-hmm. But there's the person like the cane shot locator or whatever is apparently yeah. aggressively favoring, like favors the, the canes. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I, I haven't actually looked into this myself. I'm willing to be wrong on this one, but as we are presented, Freddie Anderson's numbers look insane. And like, uh, even despite cooling off. And he's got some good volume too. Well, and even if like they are a little bit inflated, the dude is still got a 2.17 goals against average and a 922 save percentage. It's not a case of like all his normal counting stats are brutal, but somehow he's throwing up 40 goals saved above an average or whatever, right? Like, yeah, this isn't Devin Dubnik with a 925, and yet all the stats people are like, I'm pretty sure he's the worst starting goalie entirely. Where there's exactly, like a massive right? discrepancy. Like, yeah, it's like even if he's like third or fourth or whatever in some of these advanced stats, that's still really freaking good. Not to mention, yeah, exactly. like, I know it, like, 41 games is a lot, but there's still 41 other games, or how many ever he ends up playing on the road, where you're using other people's stat tracking thing. And yep. that is still a big part of his starts that I wouldn't be surprised if he is probably just as close to good in, in the model this year. Yeah, 100%. Um, the, the other one I kind of thought of that, I, and this is maybe a recency bias as well because he's really come on lately, uh, but Starcy Kemper. He was one. I forgot how bad he was at the start of the year because now obviously we've been looking at season-long statistics for this. The fact that he's still not at the top of these seasons long statistics, despite the fact he won like three months where he had like a 940 or a 950. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hellebuck's like that too. Like Hellebuck, is, he crept up to 10th uh, in goal save above expected this year. He was yep. like 40th, I'm pretty sure, for the first three months of the year. Yeah, he struggled at first. But, um, and then number one, slam dunk, Igor Shosturkin. Um, yep. He's struggled a little bit lately, and he's still posting one of the best seasons statistically we've seen ever since we've had tracking data back in like 06, 07. Yep. Depending on what numbers you look at, you can argue this is the most impressive season we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's like him, that one Tim Thomas season, a Bob season. And the one Bob year, yeah. The one price year was pretty close, I think, too. Yeah. So... Like, yeah, this should hands down be him. This will be the biggest travesty I've seen if in a he long doesn't time, win. If he doesn't win, yeah, and 100%. I, this like, should I, maybe be the most consensus, but I think I, because he sputtered at the end, 
Yes, I think it should as well. But yeah, I do. I, I still have faith that people have talked about him and not so much still that like, I think he will still win. Yeah, but... he, I wouldn't even shock me if he still wins in a landslide, especially because the Rangers have had team success. I mean, yeah, specifically well, because of him. But like Exactly. And that's the other thing, too, is not like the usual candidates are like if Tampa was leading the division where Florida is right now and Vasilevsky had like a 925 and Tampa's going to run away with 120 points or whatever, I could see GMs just giving it to Tampa. Or if yep. like whoever was in net was not named Darcy Kemper, where there just seems to be a narrative that he's actually not that great. But those guys aren't. Like can't like Tampa's been fine and again, like Vasilevsky hasn't been bad or anything like that. But I don't really see like I don't really see even GMs looking at two teams that are third in their own division, looking at Tampa and then looking at New York and being like, yeah, those are pretty equal teams if you're excluding the goaltender. Yeah, hundred percent. People are pretty aware. It's actually kind of funny that New York's gotten good as she's gotten bad. New York or sorry. Oh, yes, yes. Like in terms of driving play and stuff over the past month or two. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that was the other thing that uh, was going to be interesting when we get to our team previews is um, if you look at their season-long stats, they're still in the dumps for uh, possession metrics because they were so bad for a number of years or a number of years, number of months to start this year. But like they've been really outplaying teams for the last six to eight weeks or so where they've worked their way back up to 22nd expected goals and 25th in Corsi versus – they were 32nd for a large part of the season. Yeah. Yeah. They've really turned it around and they're, they're winning games despite the fact that Sturkin's or Shesterkin's been human. Yeah. He's had like an 880 for over like a span of six or seven games. Yeah. Granted, I think Gorgiev has now decided he's going to be amazing, but. Of course, he can't be with the Rangers with a <laughs> mediocre goaltending. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So I, I think, yeah, you can't overthink this one. It's still Shesterkin and. You know, as much as he is sputtering down the, down the stretch here, maybe a little bit, it's not – this is not just an award of what you do down the stretch. This is a full-season thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, he could get lit the hell up for the final three games or whatever, and it doesn't matter. Like, he's just done so much for so long that it's his. Exactly. Like, I know we get caught up in narrative sometimes, but for a goaltender, if you're looking at all the 82 games, stealing nine points in October is just as important as stealing nine points in April, even if it doesn't feel like it. Exactly. So, um, all right, let's do the Norris. We'll go Norris, Hart, and Selkie. Selkie, I'm putting the last just because there's not a ton to talk about usually with the Selkie. Um, no. But let, let's go Norris first, and then we'll keep the, the, the biggest one, the Hart, for last. Um, the Norris Trophy one should be interesting. I felt like for a while it was an absolute lock that McCarr was going to win it, and now uh, Yossi has really jumped up in this race as well to the point where – I've even seen people suggest Yossi should be like a heart candidate because he uh, he's at 91 points this year, which is absolutely insane for a defenseman, to be fair. But um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. I'm interested to see what you have here. I have two honorable mentions. My first one's Aaron Ekblad. Uh, he was having a great year again until he got hurt. I don't think he's going to, considering he's not playing, like he's going to finish with 60 something games played. I just think he's probably a little under that threshold in terms of where he would be. And he wasn't just, he just wasn't that good enough to make up for missing 20 full games or whatever. Yeah. Um, the other one is Victor Hedman. And the reason I have Hedman in here is because he actually has been good this year. And I feel like there's a couple years, like he's always just the number three on people's ballots because they don't watch more than two guys or whatever. He's um, the Bergeron and, for Selkie. 
Yeah, exactly. And like years like last year, where it was clear he was just like he was actively bad down the stretch last year because he was nursing an injury. That's yeah. not that's not been the case this year. Like he has been a legitimately very good defenseman this year, eating minutes again for Tampa Bay. Um, he is fourth in goals above replacement by evolving hockey's metric for defensemen. So yeah, yeah, I had Hedman as my honorable mention at four either. I I like Ekblad too. I didn't really think of him because he's been injured for a little bit, but you could very well argue that he was so good when he did play that he still belongs either on a ballot or as an honorable mention. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't I think if I was voting, he probably wouldn't actually be on my ballot, but it's one of those things where it's like a freak injury again, end of the year that looked like he could have been a Norris front runner. Yeah. Which is too bad. Cause he's, he's struggled to stay healthy for somebody who's relatively young. Yeah, exactly. So um, I did have Roman Yossi third on my ballot. Uh, 91 points is insane. And he hasn't been like, so bad defensively that he gives all that back up. He's still fifth in goals above replacement. Um, he hasn't been good defensively by any means. Uh, I think he is actually like the only defenseman in the top 20. And it takes still Tony D'Angelo at 20th for goals above replacement for defensemen who actually has a negative defensive impact. Um, but again, 91 points. He's kind of what that power play runs through as well. Um, and he's just kind of like an extra fourth forward out there. And that is still extremely useful, even if it's not uh, necessarily ordinary. Ordinary, sorry. 100%. I have them three as well. I do think if we're giving anyone on Nashville the heart, it should probably be their goalie, not him. I would agree. I I do kind of, like, I probably wouldn't have him. Like, oh, I straight up don't have him on my heart ballot. I can tell you that now. I do kind of think the argument that maybe McCarr should beat Yossi for the Norris, but nor or Yossi could almost be ahead of Makar and heart ballot voting. Usually to me that. that wouldn't make sense, but I think I do agree with that because there's just so many good players on Colorado, right? Whereas yep. it yeah, is, that absolutely makes sense to me. It is clear Yossi is driving the bus offensively for this team. But yeah, I think if you know like a lot of their success is the fact that Saros has played out of his mind for a large part of the season. And yeah. I would definitely be more willing to put him on a heart ballot than Yossi. But uh yeah, Yossi three. Um Again, absolutely amazing season. Like, phenomenal. Yep. Uh, just wild, especially for this to, I don't want to say come out of nowhere, because he's obviously been like this his whole career, but uh, to kind of peak at what what is his age? Like, 31? He's 31 this year, yeah. And, like, his past yeah. point totals, he had 33 and 48 last year, so that would be, like, I don't know, pace for 60-ish, just under. 65 and 69 the year before, 56 and 82, 53 and 75, 49 and 72. So, like, obviously being on pace for, like, 95 points is a massive jump from um, anything he's done in his career so far. Exactly. And, like, league scoring's up, but it's not up that much. No, exactly, right? Like, it's, yeah, you have to put some impact on that where it's, like, is this impressive as, like, Carlson's 82 and 82 back in 1516? Probably Maybe not, not but, but like it's damn and still damn impressive that you know he's throwing up 90 plus points as a defenseman. Yeah. Um, number two, I had Charlie McAvoy. Oh fuck. I thought I'd be original here. I also <laughs> McAvoy. Oh man, we are having similar ballots. To be fair, I made my ballots this year for these six awards that we're doing. And I was like, this is kind of the easier one I've I've seen to remember over the past couple of years. Like there wasn't this does feel um, really easy. There wasn't a ton where I was like, damn, I need to put like a ton of thought into any of these. The heart is the only challenging one to me. 
Yeah, and even like the heart, I was like, eh, I still feel pretty confident in my ranking of the five that I have. Yeah, like have we gone through, like Bunting has like double the goals above replacement of anyone else. Uh, any other rookie? Calder. Uh, Shesterkin's plausibly having the best goalie season we've ever seen in our lifetime. Easy. Uh, Sutter took a team that missed the playoffs and now they're like, what, the fourth best team in the league? Uh, yeah. Easy. Like it's just been, we haven't gotten to the Selkie yet. Uh, not going to, it's not a big spoiler. Bergeron's running at almost a 70% XG. Uh, like there's so many where it's just like slam dunk, slam dunk, slam dunk, slam dunk. Yeah, exactly. And so McAvoy here, like the reason I had him too, and I don't think like he is one of the most underappreciated defensemen in the league. He doesn't really put up massive point totals or anything, which is why I think. Um, and, and maybe if you want to draw back on McAvoy, you could say his biggest thing, like his biggest added value or one of his biggest added value has been even strength defense. And he plays a lot of his minutes with Patrice Bergeron. So we're going to get to a point yep. where we probably just unanimously say Bergeron's a selfie winner. I think it's fair to at least point out that, you know, maybe McAvoy's are slightly inflated, but even so he is still amazing everywhere else, basically on the ice too. So it's, you know, like he just, and the other thing is as much as, you know, we give him credit for having Bergeron on his team, the rest of that decor kind of sucks. I mean, they picked up, um, Lindholm uh, from the Ducks, but he's gotten injured. And before they had Lindholm, it was, McAvoy, Mike Riley, and a bunch of guys, basically. Like, yeah, like this has been the Charlie McAvoy show, and I, I would agree that like there's a possibility of some collinearity that might not be captured with Bergeron, but this is like McAvoy's never had even close to average defensive impacts in like six years in the league. Like he's yeah, just, he, he's like he's just that guy. Literally, he's third in even strength defense uh, this year. Yep, uh, which makes sense. Sure. And like Boston's been ridiculously good defensively. And for that to be true, it uh, probably requires multiple good pieces. Uh, number two of which being McAvoy, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, don't have any disagreement there. Um, and then number one, I got Kale McCarr. Yeah, I got McCarr too. I kind of wished I could hot take it with McAvoy, but I uh, think I, I didn't Galaxy brand this one. Yeah, me either. I. <laughs> Like if there was a hot take to be had, the only one I think I could even try to do is that the way he shouldn't win is Devon Taves should deserve it instead. But I, I can't, I just couldn't get to that point. Yeah. Like Taze has been amazing. And that would be the easiest way to discredit my car is to just talk about his teammates. But I mean, the guy's a ridiculously good play driver, great defensive results. And he's a defenseman that almost it was about to hit 30 goals. Like there's just not that much to overthink here. Yeah, exactly. Like he's at, we were just talking about how amazing Yossi's uh, 91 points in 77 games are. He's at 85 and 75 with 27 goals. Like, yeah. And he's a better defensive player. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like he's like actually good defensively. Yeah. So and it's just clear when you watch Kill McCarr, like Yossi's fantastic. And I have long loved watching Roman Yossi more than almost any defenseman in the league. But when you watch Kel McCarr, you know you're just watching a singularly talented human being on the ice. Yeah, 100%. So uh, I think he'll probably win. I, mm, I could see Yossi winning this one, to be honest. I could see Yossi winning this I one. think and he'll f- probably split votes right down the middle, though. I think it'll be pretty close. Yeah. I would – I don't – because Yossi's got the recency thing, too. And people mm-hmm. really do just love points. 
Yeah, but like, I think the only thing that they also love goals just as much as points. So, like, Makar almost hitting 30 despite missing a couple games as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's had 75 games played, so he's missed a few. I feel like, like, I really think this one is going to be one where it's just like, it just depends. You know, they're probably going to be like five more voters that have one of them, one, the other two, than the other. And then I don't know who's, I think Hedman is probably a pretty good lock to just be like the consensus third on most ballots. So I'm on DraftKings right now. The odds to win, Makar is minus 155. Uh, Yossi's plus 125. So take off some of the juice or whatever it is. Makar's slight favorite. Next up is Hedman at plus 5,000. Yeah, that and that it seems exactly what I would assume. Like so, Makar. For those who don't know what those numbers mean, basically, Makar would be a slight to decent favorite over Yossi, and then no one else even belongs on the same plan, which makes sense. Yeah, like I would be shocked if it wasn't one of those two that won. Even if I think um, McAvoy could deserve it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, McAvoy and Fox are the next at plus 10,000. Yeah, so um, uh, what would you say? What was uh, Yossi's odds? Uh, plus 125. 125, yeah. So, like, yeah, if anyone wants the odds, basically they're saying Makar, it has a 60% chance that Makar wins, 44.4% that uh, um, Yossi wins, and plus 5,000 would be 1.96% implied yeah. odds. Which like, most, obviously you're going to go those don't add up to hundred. And that's why sports books make so much money because exactly. Especially on futures. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, I, I, I would be, I, I'm going to be interested to see how they split it here too. Um, but I really think it could go either way. I, I would say Makar, I think if I had to bet, but I could see a lot of people looking, especially because um Yossi's cooled off a little bit in terms of like, as of a week ago, it looked very possible he hit a hundred points and he would have to get, I think, nine points in his last two or three games now. So that's almost certainly not going to happen. If he would have hit 100 on the dot, I think it would have been his. Yeah. Yeah. If he would have put up 100, it definitely would have been, but he slowed down. And also, underrated part of this, the Avs could win the President's Trophy. And we haven't mentioned a single other Avalanche name. So this could be like a way people are just going to want to give credit to the abs. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely true. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to actually do an avalanche name right here uh, with the heart. I had, and I, I don't think he's going to get many, if any votes, but I wanted to just give a shout out to how surprisingly good Mika Rantanen season has been this year. Yep. He uh, is third in goals above replacement right now. And I would have never guessed that. And this is not the first time Miko Rantanen has outplaced, outpaced his teammate Nathan McKinnon in goals above replacement, which is yeah. really interesting that the regression model uh, like him that much. Yeah, exactly. And like, but it's not McKinnon, even close this year. McKinnon, like Landeskog's missed a massive amount of time. McKinnon's, you know, missed twenty games or so, and uh, Rantanen's just kept plugging along without those two at times, right? Like the team really hasn't missed a beat. Yeah, hundred percent. He's been fantastic. I have Rantanen and McDavid as my two runner-ups. I think they're almost in their tier of their own. I have McDavid on my list, but okay. I, 
to me, it was an easy one who I picked, and then two through five, you could kind of change however you wanted. That's fair. So we're gonna have a different uh different three then for sure. I would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Renton has 91 points in 73 games this year. Um, so he's missed a little bit of time as well. Um McCar- McCar- McKinnon has 87 and 63. Like McKinnon's been on real too, but yeah, like Renton has been driving play amazingly. Again, I don't think he's really going to get too many votes, but I want to at least give a shout out to just like how damn good he's been. Yeah. I don't know if he'll get a single like top two vote or whatever. I don't think he should, but as, a, as an honorable mention, I like that a lot. Um, then my other honorable mention, I think this might be a guy you have in your top three is Johnny Goudreau. Yeah. I have Goudreau three. So we're going to flip on Goudreau versus McDavid, I think. Probably, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, like that, again, that's totally fair. Uh, the only reason I kept him off versus top three was Matthew Kachuk is right there with him in terms of goals above replacement. Like yep. Kachuk's sixth, Goudreau's second. So maybe you argue a little bit of uh, uh, teammate assist there, but uh, there has been no denying that this is John, like Johnny Goudreau is having a phenomenal, phenomenal year. Yeah, like Johnny Goudreau has been amazing. Uh, he's with. Matthews in goals above replacement and your snap reaction as an educated Leaf fan will be like, Oh yeah, well, Austin Matthews missed a bunch of games. Uh, Matthews has more time on ice than Johnny Gaudreau and they are within error bars of each other in goals above replacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like 30.8 to 30.5 overall evolving hockey, which is 5.4 wins versus 5.3. Like, yeah. So the functionally the same estimated yeah. impact. And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. I get, you know, maybe someone you could argue in terms of the heart too, that, you know, that signifies that Kudrow doesn't play as much and his team doesn't rely on him quite as much. But I also don't think, especially when it's not super aggressive, like if Kudrow had a thousand time on that, like minutes played or whatever, over 79 games, it'd be like, yeah, okay. Let's it's just like chill. that efficient or whatever. Y- yeah, exactly. But it's like, yeah. when it when you're getting to like that much, it's like, well, I don't really think it's Kudrow's fault that, he's not getting run out there 24 minutes a night or whatever. Like the, that's probably yeah. a tactical thing to save him, if anything. Yeah. And it's not even necessarily a bad thing. Goudreau's like way older than Matthews. So it's probably smart. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, he's a 24 year old when he's 28 or whatever. Yeah. 100%. So, um, you know, he, he is having an amazing, amazing season, like 111 points. Something just insane like that. Um, and Ben, like, Honestly, along with Sutter here, like one of the biggest reasons this Flames team went from missing, like he did not have a great year last year either. Uh, he wasn't bad, but he wasn't no, obviously nothing close to this. And him, to, like, and I think Sutter, like Sutter being the coach in the system, probably helped him a lot. But him turning from like a guy where it's like, yeah, he's been fine or whatever, to oh no, this guy's like a Hart Trophy candidate has been probably the massive, but one of the biggest jumps that and Markstrom being healthy all year. Yeah, 100%. Because, like, Tachuk has always been great play. A lot of Tachuk's play driving has kind of looked like this forever, whereas Johnny Goudreau was, like, turning – he did it in the past to – he had a 100-point season, I think, three years ago, but turning from, like, a flashy guy to, like, in every shift just fucking dominating people is – it's insanely valuable. Yep, absolutely. Um, so this is maybe a little bit of recent bias. I think this is where you're going to – at two though, I was just Sturkin at three. Again, I think you could you could easily flip Ooh. these. Okay, I've I, two. Yeah, I kind of figured. I have McDavid too. Um, 
the reason fair. I the reason I have them flipped is mostly because it's almost less about like Shosturkin coming back to earth for a couple of weeks and more about the team has actually been good behind him now a little bit more over the past six to eight weeks. Yeah, they've been really good, really good for him. Yeah, exactly. Right. Whereas it's not like, like, I think it would have been if the team would have just fallen apart because he was playing 890 goaltending for a couple of weeks or whatever, it still would have been obvious enough to the point where it's like, you could almost argue that might, it might have helped case to be <laughs> yeah. number one. Um, but yeah, they, they've actually become a good team. And again, like it's so close that, you know, this was definitely the most thing I had to do in terms of like, ah, do I want to go one or two here? Um, and, and to me, I, I put McDavid just slightly ahead because let's be honest that Edmonton, the, the talent of the Edmonton team still isn't that good either. And like, McDavid's about to get Evander Kane a massive payday probably by Edmonton. Like there's, there's no talk in the Edmonton media that they need to trade Puyarvi away so they can pay Evander Kane, which is insane to me. But again, it's yeah, because Evander Kane has been stapled to um, McDavid's wing and has 21 goals in 40 games this year. Yep. That's exactly why. So um, yeah, like I, I don't really need to talk about why McDavid is good <laughs> too much, but um yeah, like he's just – it feels like he – just because he's been so good so many years in a row now, and, like, this has obviously been, like, Austin Matthews' true coming out party, and obviously, like, Shesterkin's been unreal and, and even Goudreau. It feels like people aren't really talking about McDavid as much this year, and he's just yeah. casually dropped, like, 180 – like, he's going to hit 120 points in, in 82 games, maybe even more than that, and it, it looks – disappointing because he had 105 and 56 last year, which is the most just like insane. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this, like coming for a bit. It's clear that it's here where he's just in Sid territory where he is the best player in the world and it's boring. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you kind of look for other narratives or whatever. Yeah. Like we talked about that McDavid versus Matthews thing or whatever, but like I kind of ended that with uh, priors matter. And this is like, four or five years of McDavid either being that guy or second place to that guy. So we're going to need to see Matthews do it for some, for an extended period of time before it's even really a conversation. Yeah. And if people are disappointed by his point totals, you know what the only thing that's decreased from last year to this year is in terms of RAPM? Goals for 60. Yeah. Because his PDO has been, which I was going to say to me, especially for a player of Connor McDavid's talent level screams, Oh, he probably got unlucky. He's not just bad at scoring goals at five on five now. Exactly. And he was probably a little lucky last year. And I'm sure. Yeah. Year, it's the probably somewhere in the middle, middle. but yeah, like this exactly. is still like his goal score for 60 has been over two standard deviations on every year for like four years. Now I want to say this is the only year it's been under. Yeah, because his on shooting percentage is like 7%, like a decent chunk of way through the season at even strength. Yeah, and the other thing is too, like you can kind of tell over the past, and this was, I don't like, they were, the narratives were kind of stupid last year. It's like, oh, he only plays run and gun hockey or whatever. Like he's quietly building himself up to be like just an average defensive player as well, which is pretty, should be pretty scary for the league because with how damn good he is offensively, like, we said for years, the only thing holding him back from just being like undisputed, like best player we've ever seen is he leaves a lot to be desired defensively. That is starting to turn. Yeah. Like and if, if that does turn, look out everyone else. Yeah. Like he's not amazing defensively or anything like, but his even strike defense this year was 0.4. Like 
goals above replacement. Like, which again is just average. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not good. It's not bad. But when you are the best offensive player in the league by a mile, all you have to do is just be okay. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to be good. Even like, yeah, it doesn't have to be great. He's just got to be something that I think it's a little lost because Sid did have like a selkie quality season near the end. Mm-hmm. For most of Sid's career, he was pretty meh defensively. He was like actively horrible while young, very similar to McDavid. And then as he aged, he was just kind of meh. But that was enough because yeah, it, it kind of cross. feels like a really classic like franchise centerman thing of like when they're young, they can just rely on all their skill and ever and speed and everything like that. Whereas like you know, people always say as they get older, it's like all oh, players get crafty. But the problem is they're saying about thirty-two year olds who are never good to begin with. So it usually just means they're taking a lot of penalties that aren't getting called or whatever. Whereas <laughs> yeah. like to me, it's pretty obvious watching like franchise level players like Sidney Crosby redevelop their game where it's like. Yeah, I might not be scoring 110 points or anything. Like, everyone talks about Iserman like this way. And I was too young to actually watch the difference between, like, 90s Iserman and early 2000s or anything like that. But um, I think with McDavid, what we could see is that similar kind of thing where it's like, yeah, maybe he doesn't keep throwing up 120 points per year or whatever. But if he's a 105-point player and actually becomes, like, good defensively, geez, watch out. Yeah, 100%. And that's like the skill adapts thing. Like everybody loses it when an RAPM chart says a guy with a lot of points is bad at defense. It's like, that doesn't mean they can't be good at defense. Yeah, it just means they're probably biting a little more to get more offense. Yeah, like if if you can't see these players actively making trade-offs, I don't know what you're watching. Like to me, it's, it's relatively obvious what's happening. Yep, 100%. Um, all right, number one then. Austin Matthews, right? Yep. He has been the best player in the league this year. Yep. I, he has uh, been one of the best players over this season we have ever seen. And I thought, like, so they've obviously held him out of a couple games recently because of a, a lingering injury. Um, I thought maybe him, like, if he would have lost the rocket race, I was maybe a little more worried about if he would win this award. But Drysaddle kind of cooled down right as they took him out of the lineup anyways. And, like, yeah, I think the Leafs have three more games left. Like, I would be almost surprised if Matthew still doesn't hit 60. He's at 58 right now. Yeah, he's still more likely than not to hit 60. Yeah, which is just absolutely insane, right? So, um, I think I would almost – I would be really surprised, to be honest, if he doesn't win it this year. And he absolutely deserves to win it. A hundred percent. This kind of shocked me. So if we go to DraftKings again, Austin Matthews is minus 300 to win the award, which again signals he's a pretty massive favorite, Uh, especially relative to McCarr was minus 155. Guess who's second? This kind of shocked me, actually. I thought it was going to be Shesterkin, but it's not. Uh, I would guess McDavid. Yeah. It's McDavid. Yeah, I think Shesterkin. Well, I don't think Shesterkin got the love for it either. Shesterkin's behind both the field, which is not players listed, which an incredible amount of players are listed. So I don't know how you could ever, (laughs) ever bet that. And then he's behind Huberto too. Yeah, like 
Yeah. You'll be shocked to hear if you listen to this podcast that Huberto was not on either of our ballots. Um, I feel like Shesterkin just never got the, like, even when he, like, for the past three months, every time I brought it up, I was like, I was just shocked because I was like, no one's talking about how good this team is. Well, just because the stupid bonehead media narrative is, oh, well, of course the Rangers got better this year. They went in that grit and toughness. It's like, no, it's their goaltender went from all right to literally the best goalie season we've ever seen. It's not because they went out and fucking Ryan Reeves and uh, uh, who was the guy from Tampa as well? Uh, well Barkley Goudreau. The, the yeah, worst yeah. Coleman. Like, it's just like, no, like that's not the reason. But it feels like people are so just like, inclined to want to give like attribute those reasons to why they're good and it's like no like it's just it's their goalie it's just Sturkin yeah exactly that's it literally so, Sturkin's been so good relative to that team um, we're going to be doing like a recap episode at one point where we visit revisit our old predictions for this season and see how well we did I had to invent a new category of right for the wrong reason because I thought the Rangers were going to be good, but I still think that was a fucking atrocious prediction, even though they've been great because yeah. they've just been Sturkin. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so obviously we talked about narrative already on this podcast where it's like, I think him slipping for two weeks or whatever, right. As that was the exact same two weeks for Matthews decide, yeah, I'm going to score 15 goals in eight, nine games or whatever it was. <laughs> I, I think like that. Yeah. Like I think that narrative together has really just combined the fact that it's like, Oh yeah. Okay. So this is a locked up award now. Yeah. And Matthew's scoring 50 and 50. Like, I feel like That's this insane. shouldn't matter, but there's something to be said about just like coolness. And that is cool as hell. Granted, if you ask half of Twitter, it doesn't count because it's not the first 50 <laughs> games or something. It was actually 50 and 68 because yeah. counting uh, is hard. <laughs> All right. On to the Selkie. Uh, last one here. Uh, I didn't have any honorable mentions for this. I This is one I kind of default to you more. I, I feel like, you know, with your model and stuff like that, I, I just feel like you have a better understanding of it. I Basically, the way I go is I go on to um, Evolving Hockey and I kind of look at who's had the best defensive metrics for forwards and then kind of try and reference that with, is that what like I've seen just in the slight little bit of watching and go on like natural statric and see like who's done a good job of preventing goals and stuff like that, just to make sure it all does actually kind of match up. Um, did you have any honorable mentions? Um, I have to Chuck as an honorable mention. Okay. I, that's a good one. He has been fantastic defensively, um, although a player like the Chuck could be the def- best defensive play driver at some point in his career and not win this war- award rightfully uh, because he takes so many goddamn penalties. Mm-hmm. And that is why I left him off, even though like his RAPM XGA impact is better than Matthews on like a permanent basis or whatever. He doesn't play as much. So his net defensive impact could be lower, but like his defensive impacts are in the are insane. But at the end of the day, it's great that he's a shit disturber or whatever, but if you're going to be talking about the Selkie, you can't constantly put your team in a scenario where they're killing penalties. Yeah. I feel like this probably goes without saying too, but Matthew Kachet. Yes. 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 Um, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like I, I think we've talked about it in years past too, where it's like, I don't think you have to play penalty kill to, um, win the Selkie or anything. I think, you know, you can look at it as something that helps if you do it well, yep. but, Yeah, like it helps Bergeron. 
Not that he but, needs help, but yeah, exactly. But you can't be actively putting your team on the pedal to kill while you're just sitting in the box. Like exactly. Like there's a lot of value. Matthews doesn't kill penalties, but he provides more penalty kill value than a lot of players who even do because Matthews is better than almost anyone in the league at not putting his team on the penalty kill. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And considering he's usually having to play the top competition every night too. Yeah, and he takes a ton of shit because he's really good, and yet he's still very good at that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that, that's a good honorable mention. Uh, who did you have at three? At three, I tentatively had Anthony Sorelli. He does kill penalties. I'm not 100% convinced he's actually good at it, uh, but he does kill penalties, so there's that. And he has fantastic defensive impacts this year. Always been a little skeptical of Sorelli because I'm always a little skeptical of the depth players on good teams because they tend to be the most overrated. Uh, but Sorelli's put up fantastic defensive impacts through the past four years now. So I'm willing to just be like, you know what? Screw it. Good for him. Yeah, that's a really good one. Um, he was right. I had the guy actually right beside him in defensive impact. Um, and that's Joe Pavelski at three. Pavelski's a good pick too. I would say they are within air bars of each other, 4.8 versus 4.7 for defensive impact. Uh, Pavelski's comes more shorthanded. Um, yeah. And Sorelli's is more five on five, which I think is a fair enough argue, argument if you want to say that's why Sorelli should be ahead. But at the same time, like Sorelli's are so negative uh, at shorthanded where it's like that almost is probably a negative towards him. Yeah, is are bad. That's why I was like, I like. Tampa puts him there, and Tampa's really smart. So I'm skeptical of being like, and our defensive metrics are noisy. So I'm skeptical to be like, I'm sure he's horrible. But also, I'm, there, there's good cause for concern because they are really bad, as best we can tell. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I think uh, this is probably going to be another easy one. Two and one. I have Matthews two. Yep. Bergeron one. Yeah, um, I don't think Matthews is going to get many votes, and I think he should absolutely be numbered. He was clear-cut number two to me on this. Yeah, 100%. And we talked about it before. Um, I don't necessarily believe that he's, like, in defensive zone coverage the best or whatever, but it's clear he's like he's a takeaway god or whatever. It's hard to score against him when he's on the ice, even if he might not be the best in D-zone coverage. And uh, the point of defense is just to not get scored on, so – I'm good with that. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Like the players in between him and Bergeron for defensive impact uh, for evolving hockey, Brad Marchand, who I'm like had a great year defensively, but I'm fairly confident saying is probably a lot because he plays with Bergeron for almost all his minutes. Yep. Um, Rasmus Asplund for Buffalo and Jesper Fast for Carolina. (laughs) And like Fast is the classic. Jesper Fast is maybe, and I mean, he did play 1100 minutes to be fair. But he is one where, remember a couple of years ago when it was Natushin for the Avs that the, the, the Twins took heat about? Yep. And, like, my biggest, push, yeah, my biggest pushback <laughs> on that was always, I think you should have to play more than, like, three C-level minutes to win the Selkie. Yep, because these things, these things regress. Like, efficiency regresses as you increase sample size. You see mm-hmm. that a lot in the goalies. The the best goalie in the league, but in terms of goal saved above average, almost certainly never leads in uh, time on ice. Yeah, and it's just like like Michael Amadio 
is ranked 11th in defensive impact, but it's because he only played, he played half the minutes, under half the minutes of most of the guys above him or below him. Yeah, so, it's so like, if you don't give those numbers time to regress, you can get really weird things. Exactly. So, yeah, to, to me, that's why it's like, sure, like if Rasmus Asplund comes back and is just as good defensively next year, I will have no issue with being like, yeah, maybe this guy should get a little more consideration because, I mean, to yeah. be fair to Asplund as well, that's all he really does well. He doesn't provide much offense, that's for sure. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like it's – for me, like Matthews is just the clear guy there that – uh you know, should be there. And and then, you know, you get to the, uh, this year was comp Sorelli, Pavelski, uh, um, Marchman, like just a couple guys where it's like, yeah, there's solid defensive teams good and defense. good players as well. Like, I, I think it's probably pretty easy to just identify that they, they are good defensive players if you're watching them. But uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like Matthews will probably not even be top five in selfie because again, it's the people that'll just clip him kind of not back checking in the game against Arizona and be like, see, look at this idiot. It's like, okay, well, like I can find that a hundred times for Patrice Bergeron this year to be fair as well. Yeah. You can find it from anyone if you look. Yeah. So um, yeah. And then the, uh, the, the last one here is uh, obviously Patrice Bergeron. It's funny because this has been kind of one where um, there's been a lot of years where he probably doesn't deserve to either win it or be like top three and he gets the uh, vote anyways. It's just kind of, I'll throw Bergeron in there, but he has legitimately been absolutely amazing defensively this year. Deserves to win it. And I think he will, will be the overwhelming favorite. Yeah. A hundred percent. I haven't went back to fully confirm this, but. I'm pretty sure this is like his best defensive season ever. It wouldn't shock me. Um, I can look this up at least. If you give me one minute, one or two minutes here, I'll just uh, should have snapped it all, I guess, there. And that was like 14, 15, I think it was pretty much. I'm sure there are plenty others. Because this season's the best. Bergeron. Yeah, this season's been the best. By yeah. evolving hockey, anyways. Uh 11 12, he was close to as good at even strength. 14 15, he was also very, very good at even strength. Uh, if you put them all together, so you get all the defense though, he's a full uh like it was 9.1 this year and 8.1 and 16, 17 was his last year. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. That was what I had him in jumbo really high. Um, yeah, and then 13, 14, but yeah, like. By both their numbers, this has been his best year defensively. Yeah, which makes sense. If you look at like that lines or just his statistics, I think they're running at like 67% XG at even strength. Well, like, I, yeah, so like when I was looking at it for like in natural stat trick or whatever, five of the top six players in goals or expected goals against per 60 are Bruins players. <laughs> Who is it? Bergeron, Marchand, McAvoy. Uh, there was a couple of defensemen in there that I was not expecting, and I think it's because they just kind of play like 90% of their minutes with Bergeron at third pair level. That makes sense. The hidden defensive, the hidden defensemen on really good defensive teams always have stupid good numbers. Yeah. Uh, let me just quickly take a look. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to load this up. I know this isn't the absolute best podcasting in the world, but uh, here we go. And I think I put like, a time limit on it as well is the funniest part. Um, 
Yeah. So hold on. I, I got to add something else now to it as well. Because when you don't put a um, games played limit, you just get a bunch of guys who played four shifts this year and yeah. didn't give anything up because obviously. So like, I think I put like a pretty aggressive time limit on of like 900 minutes on ice at five on five, which like limits basically to you need to play at least 50 something games. Uh, and here we go. Pasternak, Taylor Hall, Eric Halla, Jake DeBrusque for the top four. That's not what I expected. No, exactly. But like, yeah, so it's like, um, which actually is it's pretty funny too, because I think Pasternak, Hall, and Halla has been a line at times this year. Hmm. That's kind of um, funny. It's cool yeah. how far we've come with regression models, because that would mean back in the Corsi Rail days, like this Bergeron season wouldn't have been nearly as appreciated. Yeah, oh, for 100%. Um, yeah, Matthew's five. Bergeron, I think is, I think he was 15th, maybe. Um, but yeah, like, literally, this whole team is solid defensively. And I think that kind of stems with the guy who's playing the most minutes in the hardest, use, hardest usage as well. Exactly. So. And he's also been great on the penalty kill. Him and Marshawn have just mm-hmm. historically crushed it there. And uh, they continue to do so. Yep, 100%. So, um, yeah, I don't have much more to say on the Selkie. Um, I think that's probably good. We went for like an hour and 20 minutes almost there. Uh, we'll be back next week. So we're gonna just waiting to see when the playoff schedule actually comes out. Uh, Chase is going to some island I've never heard of before. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Have fun finding that. It's right beside Puerto Rico, I found out today. Yep. It's um, not the Mexican city. Yeah, um, but so we will uh, we will be recording still. He will be bringing his stuff. So uh, plan is for either next Sunday or Monday. So basically, if the playoffs start next Monday, we'll have an episode out probably on Sunday or maybe Monday morning. If the playoffs start Tuesday, we'll either have one Tuesday morning or Monday uh, during the day at some point. So um, that's our plan. And we'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about uh, what Vegas does over the next three or four games. And um Maybe even quickly Vancouver, but there's no other playoff races. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing uh, our massive playoff breakdown uh, when we when we do that episode next week. So uh, very excited! This upcoming one is one of my most favorite podcasts of the year, all the time. The first round is so much fun to preview and break down and everything like that. So uh, as always, you can find Chase's work at ActionNetwork.com and Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff and all my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.